Hi, I'm Mark Renner. This is Victory Over Sin. Saturday afternoon to you. My name is Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. The first part of the show, what we attempt to do is to share with you what we do and how we attempt to do it. Victory Over Sin is actually funded by an advocacy arm of St. Vincent de Paul of Southwest Idaho. And what we attempt to do is to educate you, the listener, about what it's like to be incarcerated and to come out of incarceration and live in the community. We do that in several different ways, but certainly one of them is this radio station, this radio show, actually, uh, which has been going almost, we're going on close to six years now in terms of putting this show out. If you go to the archives of KBXL, you will find all the shows that we've taped, and you'll have a variety of different people. You have senators on there, got a governor on there. People coming just out of incarceration who have come into the studio. We actually have one gentleman who is going right back into incarceration, and he was on the radio before. But for the most part, it is people who work with those of us who have been incarcerated and come out and looking to support them and how we do that. We're proud of the body of work, and you can learn a lot about the Department of Corrections here in Idaho by listening to those things on the show. So take a look at that, and hopefully we can help with that. In addition to that, we also do a PowerPoint presentation for your church, for your group, for your neighborhood association, if you will, where we will come out to that situation for you and share with you a 20-minute PowerPoint about life incarceration and life after incarceration. The great thing about this is that it is led by a returning citizen. So they will share the information, and then they'll be there to answer questions about life on the inside and on the outside. I'll let you know at the end of the show how to get in touch with me, and if you're interested in that kind of programming, we'll be happy to help you with that. If you've been listening to me over the period of the years, you know that uh, some of the service we have have expanded. We now have two locations in which we greet people as they come out of prison daily. The main one is in uh, Ada County in Boise at 3217 West Overland Boulevard, and we are there from 9 to 12, Monday through Friday. We also have an office in Canyon County, which is located inside District 3's Probation and Parole Office, and that's at 3110 Cleveland Boulevard. You can go in there and ask for St. Vincent de Paul, and we can offer some resources there in terms of as you're getting out of incarceration and need support. Uh, There's a lot of good things happening in the coming weeks. We're going to talk about an event next week at Peer Wellness with my guest in a second. But anything that you need in terms of support for getting out of incarceration, you can go to www.svdpid.org and find out what we do. In addition, if you're listening to me in the desert out there and you don't have a ride or you need to be picked up from prison, 
have your case manager send me an email and we'll be happy to pick you up and actually walk you through the first couple of days of your return to community and help you with that. Everybody that works for us, for the most part, has been incarcerated, so we pretty much know where you've been and um, what some of the obstacles you might be facing, so we're happy to do that. I'll be right back with my guest in just a second. Idaho has an incarceration rate of 761 to 100,000 people, including prisons, jails, immigration detention, and juvenile justice facilities, meaning that it locks up a higher percentage of its people than any democracy on earth. Compare that to the United States, 664 people per 100,000, Canada's 104 people per 100,000, and Norway's 54 people per 100,000. What about our parole system? In 2019, Prison Policy Initiative graded each of the 50 states for their parole system. Idaho received a grade of F. How do we change this? We need your involvement, and we need your story. More importantly, you must tell it. Your Christian voice can support the needed change. Reach out to us and get involved. At the end of the show, Mark will share his contact information, or you can call the radio station, KBXL 941 The Voice, and ask for links to Mark Rank. Okay, this afternoon, I'm actually, um, it's fun to have a person that I haven't known for a long period of time, but she's associated with a really good organization. It's Megan College from Idaho Justice Project. How are you? Hello, great. Thank you so much for having me. We're, we're going to call you a coordinator of events for Erica and those guys. Uh, that's a, Congratulations on that, that role. I know that I get to hang out with Erica and see Megan work, and what she does is really powerful in terms of her approach to the legislature, and those are the things we get to talk about. But um, let's talk a little bit about you and your background in education and how you got to where we are today. Absolutely. So um, I was actually born in Phoenix, Arizona, Hmm. out at Luke Air Force Base, because my dad was in the Air Force, which is what ultimately brought us to Idaho was the Mountain Home Air Force Base. So I basically consider myself an Idaho native, have have grown up here and did my high school and my bachelor's degree here in criminal justice, and uh, then went on to get a master's degree in criminal justice from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, moved back and I'm currently working on my PhD in public policy and administration and have always just kind of had a passion for criminal justice and the system and making changes uh, for effective policy based on research and experience. Is that how you, is that how you got connected to uh, the Idaho Justice Project? So actually, I was dropping my kids off at school and ran into somebody that I worked um, on my bachelor's degree with uh-huh. and uh, was talking with him. And he knew Erica and said, hey, I think this would be a great connection. And so he set us up and I went and met with her and have been working with her since, which has been just about like six months or so since I met her. Yeah. And just uh, for the for those of you who don't know, I know just project is a relatively new nonprofit here in Idaho and we talk about Erica Marshall who's the executive director and what they, she came from Delaware two and mm-hmm. a half years ago or so and did a lot of the similar work in Delaware and was very successful at it and kind of came in and said hey I want to do the same kind of thing in Idaho and so she reached out to kind of several key people that said who should I talk to she came up with a bunch of names and so from that has become Idaho Justice Project and it's really um, probably 
the most dynamic approach to changing the system from a criminal justice aspect of any that we've put together in the last seven years or so. So it's really been successful. And so congratulations on being a part of that effort. Thank you so much. So there were no, so there really was no link to issues affecting criminal justice for you. For you, it's more almost a systematic approach with the way kind of your education is taking you, right? That's correct, yes. And I think it, do you, there's, a different, there's a person that likes this political aspect of it. I know that we try to get people down to the, to the Capitol to, to testify, to get involved with it. And I'm one of those people who, I'm a political junkie. I look at everybody's background and everything like that. Is it, do you think it's a different type of person that does that or enjoys that? Or what's your thoughts on that? That enjoys the politics of yeah, it? Yeah, the politics of making everything work. I think so. I do think that uh, is a different breed. And as I'm experiencing more in this system, doing a new thing that I haven't really done before being involved in this political side, um, I'm start I'm I'm trying to figure out if that's going to be the avenue for me. But one thing I love about the Idaho Justice Project is really their um, commitment to Involving the community and getting community members informed and active in these issues. And that's one of the things that I've been working on with them and really, um, really liking is coordinating people, their stories, how these policies coming from the legislator are impacting individuals, whether that be us as community members or those who are justice involved, if we're talking about, you know, criminal justice specifically. So, you know, because I'm uh, I spent a lot of years in California and California is a entire system where they full time legislature in some ways we're very lucky to have a part time legislator legislature here in Idaho because they're very approachable. They're very open. You can actually walk up to them and talk to them. And uh, where we just normal citizens can be much, much more influential in the process here in Idaho than they are in many parts of the country where they don't have that same avenue, I guess, if you will, just to be able to talk to a legislator, correct? I agree. And that's what I'm seeing as well as I'm learning this process, which just makes it even more relevant to me to get out and tell people how they can get involved. Because once you know, once you have that knowledge, you really can be an active participant. But it's all about just understanding the process and how you can impact the process. Yeah, I uh, I remember in California, we would talk about, you try to get something passed on anything. Uh, I can remember legislators saying, well, I've got 10 letters from somebody. And that was an overwhelming response in, in their district. But here, you can actually pick up the phone and talk to a legislator and actually meet them for coffee if you really have a concern. And a lot of the times they will do that, right? Yeah, that's the feedback I'm getting too from our community members that are engaging is responses to emails, responses to phone calls. And I think that's really important. Well, one th- let's get to a couple of the things that affect the work that you're doing for uh, criminal justice in terms of reform here in Idaho. And there's two bills. You can take whichever one you want to do. You want to do the clean slate one first or whichever one you want to talk about in terms of what that's happening right now as we're, as we're taping. 
Sure. So there, uh, like you said, there's two. Yes, we can start with the Clean Slate Act. It's House Bill 149. And it's uh, it would allow those with nonviolent misdemeanors and certain felonies, which include possession convictions, to petition the court to seal one conviction on their record from public disclosure <clears throat> after five years without a subsequent conviction. So what it what it would do is after you've been convicted and served your entire sentence, that also includes any parole, probation, anything like that. After five years, you can petition the court to have that conviction hidden from view for employers housing those types of things. It would still be viewable to uh, law enforcement and the courts, but what it would do is allow the opportunity for people who have made mistakes in the past and then straightened out their lives to have an opportunity for better employment, better, more stable housing, because Mm -hmm. those are two key factors in getting people back into society to not Reoffend to have have stability and and life. And this is this is correct me if I'm wrong. This is the compromise to uh, ban the box kind of legislation that we've been trying to get passed before. Correctly or that, is that I, a that would be my understanding from what I'm hearing because um, this legislation they've taken um, it was sponsored by uh, Senator Lent and and um, Representative Rubel and they took. It's I I believe what I heard was three years to talk to organizations and individuals to come up with something that gets us started on this path. So right. it it shows mm-hmm. our system working in a way where we're coming up with things that everybody can agree on. And I think in this day and age, that's a really great step to take. And this will help if it's passed. It, it passed the House um, Judiciary and Rules Committee, the House floor. It is now passed the Senate Judiciary and Rules Committee, and it will go to the Senate floor with for a, a vote with, with, a a re- with a recommendation to do pass. Yes. Okay. So pass. that is progress. I think it's not so much I. There's a part of me, if you've heard me on this show past in the past, years past, that certainly in the country, I think over 2,000 different entities have passed a ban the box uh, legislation. And so this is Idaho's kind of approach, but it is something that we can at least look at as a victory, I guess. Absolutely. It will help people. It will improve the lives of citizens in Idaho. So it is an important step and hopefully a start to showing, okay, we're getting people back to work, we're getting people housing, and it it gives people faith in letting these individuals re-enter. Yeah, and also it gives people who have worked on it all along a chance to see how the process works and to become involved with it. So you're listening to us today and you think, I can't have any kind of input in this. Yes, you can, because... We've been working on this, you know, ban the box situation for probably three to five years. So this is a result of it. It does look like it can have some positive uh, things that will help those of us who have felony convictions, particularly get housing, which is really the hardest piece of that. I mean, we're in an era where you can pretty much work wherever you want to work, but housing is the real issue. And I think this is going to help that, don't you think? I think so, too. I agree. Yeah. Okay, the other piece of legislation is is has a much more difficult battle, I think, and that's talking about um, mandatory minimums, right? 
Absolutely. It's a difficult battle and it's a really charged topic. People feel really strongly about this issue. So it's it's dealing with the current trafficking statute. So um and and making modifications to that. So the current trafficking statute deals with four controlled substances and it's it's really a possession statute all that needs to be proven is just that you were in possession of a certain substance and if it's a certain amount then it triggers an automatic mandatory minimum and a mandatory minimum is just a sentence that is required to be imposed there's no um no discretion from the judge or in sentencing they must impose this sentence uh for certain amount of years. The current legislation that's being proposed would change the statute in a couple of ways. It would raise the current weights needed to trigger a mandatory minimum for heroin, and it would add fentanyl to the mandatory minimum statute. So adding a substance, uh, an important factor in that too is it's not just the amount of the substance that you have. It's the amount of the entire mixture. So all you're testing for is it could be trace amounts of the drug, and then that's going to trigger a mandatory minimum if the entire weight is seven grams is where it starts here. Uh, so that's that's the current changes that are being proposed. And that bill did have a hearing in the House um, Judiciary and Rules Committee and a huge turnout from the community. Um, like I said, this is a really yep. charged issue um, <laughs> and, a, and a huge turnout. Uh, over 30 people came out to testify in opposition to this bill mainly because there's no there's no safety valve here which is really what we're advocating for is adding a safety valve to allow judges to look at the circumstances for first-time trafficking charges non-violent first-time trafficking charges to to look at the case and determine if a mandatory minimum is the best path forward mm -hmm. or if uh, some type of diversion, a lesser sentence, that kind of thing would be an option. Yeah, I think anything that can give the judge who sees the situation, can assess the situation and gives them more authority or power over making that decision is has to be for the good. I was I was in that meeting where there were so many different people and I was surprised at uh, at least at first, the leading causes were to say, this is great, go for it, go for it, go for it. And it was so many law enforcement, and I've never seen so many law, law enforcement officials in one room at one time. <laughs> it's been a long time. So, but they were, uh, it's good to see that it was kind of offset at the end. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's important to recognize, I think, how serious this issue is. The The fentanyl crisis is real it's impacting lives it's taking lives we we need a solution it's finding a solution that's effective that balances public safety with also making sure we're not sweeping up substance use disorder and addiction um, individuals in this whole process without treatment and just doing you know these consistent prison terms, no matter the right. circumstance. What do you think the uh, outcome of this will be, or where do you think the direction on this will go? Um, 
honestly, I don't know. What's promising is, so at that hearing, it was voted to hold that bill in committee so that the committee members and the lawmakers could continue to negotiate this bill. So I think the questions that came out of it and what lawmakers were asking, the information they wanted to know about this, what I think was encouraging, saying they care about this issue. They want an effective policy to be passed. And so I don't know what the final outcome is going to be, but they are currently negotiating and the bill did not just go through as it is currently written. So that that I think is a win as far as developing a balanced policy that is taking into consideration our community members that are impacted, law enforcement, and and our first responders that are really on the front line. Every piece is important to finding an effective balance. Well, I think what you also were doing was uh, it's really was an education piece. As the the as I sat there and watched, there was one particular legislator who made an assumption about somebody that was testifying that he'd been incarcerated and he hadn't been incarcerated. And I thought, wow, how about that? You're assuming he was incarcerated and he wasn't. And he made that clear. It was kind of interesting to see that. So I saw it as an education. And I think, you know, maybe uh, that's, I mean, that's the kind of exciting part of how the process plays out, I guess, as you would say. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's a, it's important too that, that, balance of both sides being able to speak or different sides being able to speak to make some of those clarifications because it it does teach us uh, and show us oh man i could i could make those assumptions and it's it's kind of a dangerous spot to be in and this but this will be probably likelihood is on the senate side this has always run problems on a certain committee that it goes through that's you think you anticipate unless it changes that's that still could be trouble for this bill in the Senate? It seems that if a negotiation comes out of the House, I think that would be really promising because one of the sponsors is on that committee? House committee. So I think if if conversations are happening to find a negotiation that then this bill passes through the House committee, that would seem like more likelihood that it's going to uh, make it through those other areas. But we don't know at this point what those negotiations will be. And I, and I think one of the, the main things is that we're really pressing for is that safety valve that just would allow judges discretion for those first time being charged nonviolent trafficking offenses okay so one good thing is that you guys do and i really respect the fact is that you have these uh, seminars from time to time and you've got another one coming up so uh and that's going to be next on the 16th at 7 p.m at pier wellness right yes exactly so So that you're listening to us right now and boy you say this is kind of cool how can i help with this here's an information gathering spot where you could come in and talk and then maybe get involved with that. you want to speak a little bit about that? Absolutely. So a part of our community engagement are these monthly meetings that if you ha- if you or a loved one have been impacted by Idaho's drug laws, we or are just interested in this process and issue, we encourage you to come. And it is March 16th at Peer Wellness from 7 to 8 p.m. And yeah, please join us. 
if you're interested and you can't come, you can always reach out to us and look at our email address or sorry, our website address at IdahoJusticeProject.com to get more information. And we've we received letters from people who are currently incarcerated, people in the community, their stories. This is another way to get your story about how the system really impacts individuals uh, out, which is so important to this process. And you're also doing a good job of, as you tell that story, then putting them on the social media too. Oh, yes. Two people have been um, featured so far on our uh, casebycaseid.com, which just talks about the need for need to bring our judges back into this process um, a bit and how it can impact individuals when they don't get that discretion. Okay. So thank you so much for that. So what happens in the future for, um, is this laying the groundwork then for next year, you think, or what do you think uh, happens out of this effort on these two bills uh, for I know justice project? I do believe all of this lays the groundwork for the future, especially let's take the, the house bill 149, the, the clean slate act, this this start, if this passes through the Senate and is signed into law by the governor, this will start a process, our first ceiling for adult records in Idaho, that will start to show the community, are these positive changes? Are we employing and housing more people? And once we start seeing those positive impacts, it's it does, it snowballs, it gets more people talking, understanding other people, understanding other people's situations. And the trafficking statute, the, the changes with that, this has been something that's been being talked about for at least three years that some modifications to this bill have been talked about. So I, I definitely think all of these things build on each other and work towards the future and what happens next with our, our policy and, and system. Well, and like I said, congratulations, I think, on this. Uh, again, this is a passion of mine, I know, in terms of I'm very fortunate to do the work that I do, and I love it, but and my heart is in terms of changing how Idaho looks at many of these issues, and this is certainly one of them. It is something that you just driving around listening to us today can become involved in, and I can't say enough that if this is something that tugs at your heart or you feel strongly about, get involved with it. It's always, you've heard me say on the radio that if you're fearful of doing something like this, or anything in life, just walk directly towards it, start doing it, and you'll be surprised how exciting it can be and how rewarding it can be. So I encourage you to take that step. Uh, we will be right back, and I'll let you know how to get in touch with me, and I will pass on any messages to Megan and to the Idaho Justice Project as you need. So hang with us, and we'll be right back. Through Jesus there's victory All the chains that will hold Kept me locked in captivity Have been broken by grace so free When he poured out his cleansing blood Motivated by his great love Give me faith I need to rise above And sing a song of how I've overcome I've got victory over sin Bringing peace to the fight strength I need to start again I've got victory over sin He gives me victory 
Okay, I love this sort of stuff. Uh, if you've been listening to me over the years, you know that this is a passion of mine. Uh, this is the thing that those of us who are incarcerated, who have been incarcerated, need to be involved in. You've got your life. Your, your, your things are working out for you. You're doing good. You have a responsibility for those of us who are still incarcerated to come out to make it easier for them. And this can do that if you get involved. So please get involved. If you want to get out and touch, get in touch with me, I'm pretty easy to do. It's www.systemicchangeofid.com. You can send me an email at systemicchangeofidaho at gmail.com. Idaho is all spelled out there. We're on Facebook at Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram at Systemic Change of ID. Man, you can even call me on the phone if you want to at area code 208-477-1006. We look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.